0: Much worship team, thank you, family, for worshiping the spirit that's in here. Like I said before, you just and not that any other place is different or worse, it's just special. It's just special. John chapter 14. About a month ago, we started in the middle of a conversation between Jesus and his disciples in the upper room. We're not going to finish that conversation today, but we're going to finish this little part of it today. And I'm sure some of you know, or have, uh, by the few times I do get to, I mean, we preach a year, is I love stories. I just do. I think stories connect. I love stories. I love to hear a story, a good story, a bad story. I like stories. Um. So, Before we start off with this, I think this will be helpful for what we're going to be talking about today before we read this passage. Um, So I I don't know how many of you believe you may have the greatest dog of all time. And and you may, in your mind. I believe I have the greatest dog of all time. Um, um, She's amazing. I wasn't raised in a family where dogs were like in the house much, you know, because they smell and they do things. That are anti the home. But um, if I wanted to stay married and, um, and, and enjoy it, um, it was important that I learned to have a dog in the house. So about a year into our marriage, we had our first dog and um, he was a good dog. He didn't like me. I didn't know blame him. Um, I didn't really like him. His name was Webster. Um, until I I had to go to the hospital, have a little routine, you know, minor surgery type thing, where it's major to you, but minor to everyone else. Um, I had one of those. And so then he was awesome. And I thought, you know what? I like this dog. Um, But he passed. And my whole life, I've wanted a certain type of dog. Um, Probably not a surprise to some of you. I've wanted an English bulldog. Um, In fact, I have a picture, I believe, of her. that's going to pop up there. There she is. This is the greatest dog in the world. Her name is Georgie. This dog has really revolutionized what I think about dogs. She really has. Um, That was us yesterday. You may notice what we're watching. I'm not going to say it. Um, But yeah, she is just the best dog in the world. Um, She's about two and a half years old. Um, And so I've graduated from allowing a dog in my home and living in my home to now we've taken another step together. She of course goes to bed with me and Kristen. Yeah. And so one time we did that and I was like, I can't believe I got a dog in the bed. And the next thing you know, I'm like, man, I really like this. This is good. You know, she lays on my leg there and keeps me warm and she's such a I mean, she's a good dog. She sleeps well, she eats well, and she does everything else well. Um so after allowing that like once or twice, well, it become like a ritual that we try to break where it only happens maybe four to five times a week now so that we have some time when she's not in our bed, (laughs) right? And I found with her that you can beg and hope and you can give her certain of her particular treats and she's not going to move because she likes that bed. But I have found one treat that works fantastic. It is the fake sliced cheese. It's not even real cheese. And when she hears that little paper slip... She goes to the corner of the bed. She begins to wonder, oh, 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 is that for me? (laughs) But I love this bed. I can't get rid of this bed. I'm in this bed. It's so comfortable in these beds. This man is so big. He's my warmth too. (laughs) You know? She loves the bed. But then I'll I'll come to the corner of the door and I'll say, Georgie, and she's, oh no, it's a fight. You can see her. She walks back and she'll come forward and she'll walk back like, if I get out of this bed, I'll get the cheese, but I may not get back in the bed. back and forth, back and forth, and I'll see, and then I'll just drop just a tiny little piece on the floor. Boom, game over. And she's right out, right out of the room and she engulfs that cheese. And then she looks like, now I want the rest of it. I gave up the bed for this. And so then I go a few more steps and I drop another little piece and I get a few more steps and another little piece. And I, she owns one of the couches in her house. And so I put the last piece on her couch And by then, she knows what's happened. Like, I've lost the bed, but I got the cheese. And you would think, after doing this over and over and over, she'd figure out, if I take that cheese, I'm out the bed. I don't want the cheese. But no, 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 no. She knows. Pull out her treat, not going to move. Give her something else. She's not getting out of bed. Take out the cheese. It's over. It's over. So I say all that because sometimes when we come to a passage that we know, and if you saw the outline, you're like, I know this. Just for a moment, if you think about where we are in the, in the, in the story of this, the disciples that were in the upper room, they all knew it too, and they still had questions. So don't ever come to a passage and think, oh, I already know all this. No, 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 because you and I still have little pieces of cheese that we really like. And we gotta fight. Do I wanna do I wanna stop believing Christ and just take a little bit of this? Because just like Georgie, there's not a lot of difference in some ways. There are treats that the world offers that seem too good to pass up. There's truth that the world offers that seems absolutely believable. And there's a system in place that's meant, that's meant to keep us away from God. So as we go to this passage, kind of admit. There's a little Georgie in all of us, right? Now let's go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We're going to read 1 to 7, um, and we're only going to talk about really 4 to 7, but 1 to 7 is important just to continue the same feel here. John 14, 1 to 7. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? It was almost like, Thomas, I knew you were going to say that. And this gives me a great opportunity. The sixth of the seven I am's actually. Jesus said to him, verse six, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. Powerful, powerful. I want to take a quick stop to verse 5 just for a moment. It says Thomas there. Do you know what it doesn't say before that word, Thomas? What does it say? Somebody said it. Doubting. It doesn't say doubting Thomas before verse 5. You know... We like to characterize people with their weaknesses. Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't say, oh, doubting Thomas. Come on, go ahead, give it to- I know what you're going to say here, go ahead. No. no, 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 it's Thomas. So just so you know this, in children's ministry, we don't call him doubting Thomas because I don't want to identify people in their weaknesses. God doesn't. When God looks at me, he doesn't identify it on my many, many weaknesses. He identifies in the fact that Jesus Christ died for me. And so, as a little extra point, that's not a point, let's not call him Doubting Thomas. If you want to, so be it, but that's not his name. He just had a struggle like me and you do. Hey, here's a plug, if you still haven't decided about men's group, that's the reason you have men's groups. Because you'll find that other people around you have struggles, have issues, you know? They don't call me Steak Brandon, no hair Brandon, right? I don't know if that's much of an issue. Maybe it's a lack of faith. That I didn't believe I'd have my hair. No, my name is Brandon. His name's Thomas. And what's awesome is, in this conversation, this disciple, this person who had been with Jesus, asked a question that you say, man, he should know the answer to that. Really? He doesn't have the Holy Spirit. But he was with Jesus Christ every day. Yeah, but he's still a human. He still has a spiritual battle he fights and is involved with, and Jesus knew that. Did you notice how Jesus approached him. Hey, we should do the same thing. We should approach. Listen, you don't know who's ever in a service. You may assume every single person here knows the Lord as a personal Savior. Statistics tell us that's just not the ac- accurate. In fact, statistics tell us there'll be people that'll sit here every single week that more than likely will bust their wide open, having heard the truth, having been around Christ ones, Christians. We've seen that recently. Someone come to know the Lord who had been around the gospel for. A decade. But it took, it, that's when God called him. So, if we can, let's not label people. That's hard. Oh, man, that's hard. That's how we see people. It's how we say, hey, look, I'm a little bit better than Thomas. I don't doubt. Really? Well, tell me how you don't doubt. Because there are moments I have doubt. I would dare say there are the moments here that people have doubt. Struggles and issues. Let's not call Th- doubting Thomas doubting Thomas. His name's Thomas. Actually, he's a twin. There's another one of them, and he probably didn't doubt it. He probably had moments of doubt, too. That was all free, by the way. <laughs> Nothing is more remarkable about our Lord than in the calmness. Do you understand where we are? He knows what's ahead. He knows the road he's about to take. In the calm spirit, when Thomas asked, um, what are we going to do Uh, listen it's almost this inclination like if if you go i'm I'm, we're going too. i'm going i'm going listen you're going you're going to die we're going to die too these people had heard over and over and how about the loyalty for a for a moment they were like hey he's going to the cross we're going now hold up thomas you don't know what's ahead all completely yet see we have the advantage not only do we have a completed scripture we have a Spirit. So when we read, the Bible just comes alive. And there's light brought to, to pages that we can't understand. Thomas gets a bad rap. Lord, we don't know where you're going. And he could have said, Thomas, I've told you time after time after time. You do know. No, Jesus said, now I knew you were going to say this, but this gives me a great opportunity. A great opportunity. So let's talk about Jesus the way our debt of sin, is fully reconciled to God. Jesus, the way. Christ announces himself to Thomas as the way in order to remove from the mind of the disciple the uncertainty that he felt about the future. He knew there were heights of glory and blessedness to which the Messiah would certainly attain. But in these moments, it seemed rather dim, remote, and even quite unattainable to sinful men. Jesus defines at once the goal and the way. Notice he doesn't say I'm my way. Jesus doesn't say I'm a way. I'm one of. No, that word the, by the way, is demonstrative. And you don't have the truth, the life, unless we have the way. This order is actually very important. These other two pieces will actually support the fact that Jesus is the way. We live in a time period where everyone chooses their way. And it's good, right? Oh, your way's good for you. My way's good for me. We have this, and I told a person earlier that I was going to say this. They were saying it more in jest. But this idea, we, you know, we speak our truth. and Hopefully as Christians, we don't speak our truth. The, the, the Bible says we're corrupt. The Bible says that apart from Christ, we're of our father and he, Who is he the father of? The father of what? Lies. Lies. That's what we're good at. The Bible says my best is disgusting and nasty rags. Go, look, go do a word study on that. All right? By the way, there was no doubt about what he was talking about. Those people knew the filth. And the Bible says, that's my best. There's nothing in me that can get rid of a debt that I owed. And to the men that he's talking to that literally will change the world, think about this. These men who doubted, these men who had um, weaknesses, struggles, issues, they would change the world. By the way, that that gives me a lot of hope. That gives me a lot of hope that I can be a world changer in the world that I've been called to because I know all my issues. I actually relate a lot more with Thomas' issues than I do with success because we all have issues and problems. And Jesus here is making it very clear. He's also revealing something about himself. Being the revealer of the Father and giving men power to approach God and live in him. Jesus legitimately designates himself the way. Jesus never says, I'm the Father. But wait a minute, he kind of does say it, right? Well, he doesn't want to bring about confusion. Me and you know that he is the man form of God, and God is a spirit. But he was making it very clear, if you want to get to God, there isn't many ways, there isn't a way, there's the way. Isaiah 59 and I think I've got verse 2 up there. I'm going to read verse 1 as well. Man, I love this verse. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. By the way, you know what, you know what I think of when I read the ear dull? It's the man watching the football game, and the, mom, and the wife is talking to him. And he hears the sounds, right? Huh? Eh? Huh? What? Huh? Eh? And they hear everything that's going on, but the game's more important at the moment, right? By the way, if you get hearing aids, you don't have that excuse anymore. (laughs) Believe me, I found that out. Um, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that he cannot hear, or he won't listen. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. We're not only condemned in sin, but we're corrupted by sin. We're not only condemned in our sin, it's completely and utterly made us nasty spiritually. It's made us where God will not hear us. He's telling these men this this dialogue is taking place and he's moments from dying. And he still is is imparting massive truth, life-changing gospel, knowing what's ahead. And he's telling them, listen, your sin is going to destroy you. There's nothing in you that can overcome that. You may know more of the Torah than anyone else can recite it word for word. But apart from me, you'll bust hell wide open. But Isaiah 59.1, aren't you thankful that the Lord's hand wasn't shortened for you? That no matter how low you got, His hand was right there. By the way, that still applies to believers. Because you know what? We fall down a lot, right? Fall down again, again. Sometimes, sometimes we even wallow in our own sin. And God's hand's right there. Hey, just so you know, we should be that way too. So when someone is not here for a while... And maybe you've heard, well, have you heard what they got into? Do you know what she's doing? Do you know what he's doing? No, 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 no. No. We should be that extension of a hand. So when you say, hey, listen, I haven't seen this person in a while. God's saying, hey, why don't you call him? No, that's your job, Brandon. Oh, it is. No, 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 no. If you have a relationship with a person that has fallen, God can use you much greater than he can use me if I don't have that same relationship. And you can be that hand that's not shortened. I love this next uh, line here, that God the Father took the initiative. We were despondent and dead. Didn't even know it. Dead. And yet, because he's the way, he took the initiative in bringing Jesus on the scene and bringing about reconciliation let me say this he's now called us to continue that ministry he's called us to continue that ministry we use that word family some of you got to see people that you wouldn't hang out with otherwise unless y'all didn't share the last name possibly on Thursday right you ate a beautiful meal that was cooked by wonderful moms maybe some dads too and had a great time. But about 4.30 or 5 o'clock, it probably crossed your mind. You know what? I'll be glad when nobody's gone. <laughs> right? Now, Mother, I don't believe that. I know she's watching. So, no, you could have stayed on the whole time if you wanted. Because um, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> but there is that, that time. It's like, these, these people, I, I can't believe you had to deal with this for the years you had to deal with it. Right? but they're part of the story. They're part of your story of reconciliation. We can now be the part of someone else's story. And in this family right here, should be a close, tight, really beyond blood family. Why? Because we fellowship in the same Jesus who brought about reconciliation. And now we're ministers. If you'll go to 2 Corinthians, you can just look at the screen 5, 18 to 20. All this is from God. He's talking about this ministry of reconciliation, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, and I think, I don't know if I got 20 up there, but I'm going to read 20 because it's Awesome. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, through this bag of bones of disaster. God completely changes. I'm going to read one more Hebrews 10 19 to 22. Hebrews can be definitely diff- difficult and take some real study into this, into this book. But it really is a beautiful passage. And I don't know who wrote, we don't necessarily know who wrote this. Some people believe Paul, Barnabas, Tim- Timothy. Um, I'm not going to give you my opinion here today because it's irrelevant. But this, this section here again talks about some of this reconciliation. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus you know as a Hebrew, that was a place they would never go? What were they fearful of? They'd be killed, right? By the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full of assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure, pure water. This is life-changing. The way we go to Walmart should be different. The way we love on our families, the way we treat other people. Why? Because Jesus is the way, and we know it. He's enlightened our hearts. He's called us to salvation. We should think, act, walk, talk differently. Thousands of people yesterday filled up these stadiums for the game, right? Or whatever, whatever uh, fan or t- uh, fan you are of any team. And I got to thinking, how many of those same people would be ch- could be changed if there was somebody just breathing the gospel to them, living in front of them the gospel? Now you say, there may, there may have been plenty that were saved there, of course. But thousands of people go to these stadiums having their moments, I tend to believe it's their version of church. They bring food. They're a good Baptists, right? They laugh a lot and play a lot. And by the way, I'm not anti-going to games. Well, we try to go to games. But all that for what? For four hours, and then it's over. It's over. Whoever wins this year, be a day, it's over. On to the next thing. And we think so much time and effort is given to that when we possess, thankfully to Christ, the way. Jesus says, I am the way wherever you are, at whatever point of experience you're at, at whatever stage of sin, this way begins where you are. And it leads to God. To that unknown highest you yearn for, even when you shrink from Him, He's still the way. Now, because of the way, number two, Jesus the truth. So because He is the way, Jesus the truth. So in the person and work of Jesus Christ, we find all the truth that is essential to know. It's a common phrase today, speak your truth. And we we should adopt as Christians speak his truth. In the person and work of Jesus Christ, we find all the truth that is essential to know. What that means is there may be some stuff where it's not essential to know. There may be things we'll read in here for decades later. No, knowing Christ and the Holy Spirit hasn't revealed, it, and we're like, I don't understand this. Right? We don't have to know everything. But contrast that just a moment with Satan, who is the father of we've said it just a minute ago, lies. Right? He's the father of lies. No wonder we live in a world, not only do they don't understand truth, they make up their own truth, but they're just so distrusting today, right? The world, we're so distrusting today. We are assured sure that all our imaginations of God are but a reflection of ourselves magnified indefinitely. Infinitely, excuse me. And what that results from all our thinking is not God, but only a magnified man. Speak my truth. We we form in our thoughts an ideal of human excellence, perfect holiness, and perfect love. And we add to this moral character when we conceive a supernatural power. We form in our thoughts... An ideal of human excellence. Think about where we are as society now. At any moment, we can communicate in a matter of seconds all over the world. News today. You know, in Revelation, when the two witnesses die, right? And within minutes, the world knows. When that, can you imagine that being written and thinking, um, back then they wrote letters they just passed around to churches and it took a long time to see anything. But yet, now we can absolutely believe when those two witnesses pass, I mean, it'll be on probably the replacement of Twitter in a matter of seconds. Somebody will do a TikTok on it in a matter of seconds. Put some great new song with it. And in, in a matter of moments, millions of people will know. All but we've set up this ideal that we are the highest, that man is the highest. And that's where Speak My Truth comes from. My truth's irrelevant. The Bible says, apart from Christ, my truth is nothing but lies. That there's nothing inside of me that can produce anything that is acceptable to God. But thankfully, in the person and work of Christ, I find all the truth I need. God is not not a higher kind of man. He's a... He's a spirit. It's absurd to ascribe intelligence, will, or personality, or anything human to God the Father. Mankind's struggle with sin is an ignorance of God and a blindness to God's word. Now, when I'm speaking of mankind just for a moment, I'm talking about the lost world. Let me just say, sometimes we get impatient with the lost for acting and living and being lost, right? Come on, you're not on my schedule. It's time. You should know better. You've been around it. You've heard it. You grew up in it. Well, hold up. As an unbeliever, they're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Ephesians 4.18, and I'm going to make a quick... I'm going to read uh, verse 17. You'll see 18 up there. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And again, when we speak of Gentiles, we're really talking about the lost. They are darkened, verse 18, in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because the ignorance that is in them, due to their hardness of heart. I think it says 19 on that screen. And they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impunity, impurity. Would you go back to 18 though for me? Let's take a peek at that just for a moment. Look at the last alienated from the life of God, Because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. That's why every time someone comes to Christ, it's an absolute miracle. It ought to be rejoiced by the family. They ought to be thrilled. It shouldn't be, well, you took you long enough. No, 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 no. The Bible says heaven's having a party like we ain't never seen. And by the way, that makes events like happened this, this last week in the Bartlett family completely different. Have you been to a, a funeral of a lost person that you think may have been lost? I've been to one. And I don't, I, like, what does the man say? They're, they're just, there's just no hope. It, it, it's depressing. You know that we're supposed to be having a life celebration. And yeah, I mean, you can celebrate some things that happen, some moments of time. But realistically, that person is in torment and hell. Their hardness of heart is now expressed in the fact they have to live and reside in hell. That's why when someone comes, know, knows to, comes to know the Lord, it should be bigger than any game, okay? It, it should, it, and if, you, if you're one, watch what you're going to say here. It, I'm one that I get super excited about everything, okay? I just do. Man, whether it's turkey, frying some awesome turkey, it's delicious, right? Or having a kid I hadn't seen in a while, and I get to just hang out with them down there. Okay, I just get excited about lots of things. My team wins. Yes, I'm excited. I'm holding it in right now. But yes, I'm very excited, right? It doesn't compare being given the opportunity that God would use words and hopefully in actions and expressions in His Word to lead somebody to Christ. Look. Several weeks ago, that, that happened. It was late at night. I'll, I'll admit, I was in my front yard just shouting. I know people thought, man, this person is crazy. Well, they know me, I'm crazy. But I'm just <laughs> I was having a good time. And it was just me. Then I think my oldest woke up. But I just couldn't believe this, that God answered my prayer, and this person was born into his family. And I'm, I'm literally kind of crazy acting for those moments. And let me say, thousands of other people, their day was made or not, de- not made by an, by an outcome they had no control in. And yet, if they come the next day to church, or they hear someone say, well, praise the Lord. Well, now, wait a minute. There's a reverence. Hey, look, and that's not for me to decide. That's when you and the Lord. You could be reverent about it and be just as excited. You don't have to be outwardly a mess like I can be. Okay. But my point is, oh, this world is described in this verse right here. And we have the truth we, because of what Jesus has done, right? When someone comes to know him, it should be a party of some, of, on some level, whether it's all contained and very quaint. But I'm telling you, up in heaven, I don't believe that's the case. And in heaven at all points in times, right now, if someone's accepted Christ, there's a party going on. Basically, heaven is a party, whatever, they, whatever party they have up there, right? And we, possess, we get the opportunity to be involved in this. All that God ever revealed comes into clarity and focus and ultimate truth in Jesus Christ. Ooh. Especially if you're, whether it's a new believer or someone who doesn't know the Lord and you're trying to walk through and explain, and there's just almost like this fog that's over their minds and hearts. And Jesus says, I'm the truth. I'm going to quickly go to the next one. I'll give you another minute to write there. Got all that God has revealed comes into clarity, focus, and ultimate truth in Christ. And then this is—I think this is awesome. Next line: God has spoken through His creation. So for those who have not, have, do not have Scripture, there's they still see an order, a plan, a design. He spoke through His prophets. A lot of our Old Testament Scripture, especially. A lot of of that truth. But in these last days, God speaks by His Son through His Spirit. And you could almost add another little piece to that with a mouthpiece of you and me. That's an incredible little piece there. That he uses lumps of clay. I mean, speaking through the creation, the beauty, the vastness, speaking through scripture. But now he speaks by his son through his spirit in us. Hebrews one and two one, one and two there says, long ago. I'm sorry, long ago and at many times in many, and in many ways, God spoke, spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. For every question with our most anxious and trying experiences dictate, He is ready And I like this. He's sufficient to answer. Whatever answer we come up with, I can tell you, isn't going to be enough. It's going to be lacking. But He's sufficient. He is truth. He's truth. In order for us to be saved, we must therefore be enlightened by the revelation of God's truth. And that's where we can take our own side of of the equation out of it for just a moment. Our responsibility is to what? Lord willing to live it in front of them, to communicate it to them. But ultimately, is what? It's God that has to call them. He has to bring the revelation of who Jesus is. When I think of that, I think of Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, the pre- preceding chapter to this, Nicodemus and, and Jesus are having this conversation we're going to stick to this point just for a moment. We can see what happens later on where we believe he came to know Christ. But Nicodemus has this conversation with Jesus. Jesus, the living Bible, right? The living God's Word. He speaks truth. This man saw him. And through spoken word, what does Nicodemus do? At the end of that chapter, it doesn't say he came to know the Lord. Well, I believe at this point he hasn't had the revelation of being called to God yet. But he—he he, wait a minute though, you mean he sat there physically and spoke with the Lord via, via the God Man Jesus? Yes, and that wasn't enough. The Spirit has to call, so we do our responsibility. We have our responsibility in it in telling, but ultimately it's not up to us. That's a relief. Because Jesus is the way, number three, let's talk about Jesus, the life, just a moment. Jesus makes us alive spiritually so that we follow him. And, and then I put kind of like a definition, really that's a definition, um, or we'll get to the main thing of regeneration. I know i just going to put that there. Jesus makes us alive spiritually so he regenerated us so that we follow him. So that we follow Him. Let's talk about the two types of death just for a moment. There's physical death. We being born in sin have fallen under death's power and curse. We being born in sin have have fallen under death's power and curse. Now, that's not exactly what this point's talking about, because this point's talking about regeneration. The Bible says it's a point in a man when, uh, wants to die. There's a time for all of us. But in Romans 6.23, it does talk about this death. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So it means everything we've earned physically, and then this word death isn't just a physical it isn't just about having a funeral, right? It's not just laying in, in the ground. This is eternal, forever separation from God. Think about, think about that. All our best earns is complete and utter separation. And again, apart from what Jesus did, and telling these, telling these disciples, who again, they've lived, they've lived this. They've seen miracles done. They would see much more done soon. These people should know. We should know too. We being born in sin have fallen under death's power and curse. And Let's talk about spiritual death just for a moment. Spiritual death apart from Christ. We are spiritually dead. In these moments... uh, I believe when we, when you, especially if you're in a situation, you're in a gospel conversation, and the person across from you, you really, okay, they've got it. Long before they say a prayer or they talk to God, the Bible says if they believe and just ask, they're saved, right? In those moments. Now, we can't see what happens. And boy, I tell you what, I hope there's like this 20, you know, vision power screen I can watch in heaven so I can... I mean, I'm sure it won't matter to me then, but today it matters. Like, I want to go back and watch some of this stuff in the Old and New Testament happen. But I also would like to see, like, what happens to that person when they accept Christ? Because the Bible says that they're as dead as dead can be spiritually. But then, when Jesus does all that he's already done, and the Holy Spirit comes in there, and boom! They believe and receive they come alive. Their spirit comes alive. I would love to see that. I may be the only one. And I'm sure it won't matter to me when I get to heaven. But I but I really would love to like experience that. Because sometimes when someone accepts Christ, they may shout, scream, holler. Some are just like, Whew. it's like a moment, like, oh my word. You know, or maybe some, okay, on to the you know, what do we do next? So the reaction, we we can't see it. But I'll take you back to that one just a little while ago. I believe he had already accepted Christ, and he it was so cool. He's like, so can you help me pray? And I was like, man, you don't need my help with that. If God's right here and he is, just talk to him. I said, I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray. Well, what do I pray? Whatever, pray whatever you want to pray. So I can just talk to him as if he's here. I said, he's here. He's with us right now. It was cool, too, because it was used technology. So he's through the screen, and I'm talking to this person and God was with us and he's, and, and after he prays, he just, I feel relieved. What I wanted to tell him, buddy, you just woke up and that's what happened. The relief, relief may have taken place, but you were as dead as dead can be. And boom, now you're alive. That's what makes you excited. This person was about to bust hell wide open Heard the truth. He said an estimate of 50 times at least. And every time there was a reason. There was some issue. He accepts Christ now. And all of a sudden, whew, relief. Why? Because he was dead. And Jesus being the life, resurrected his, resurrected his body spiritually. Ephesians 2 1 and 3. We're winding down. This is what we were before. And you were dead in trespasses and sin. Let me say this. On Sundays, there are people, more than likely, sitting around us who are dead in trespasses and sin. Just like me and you were at one point. How we speak and treat and love these people really matters. In verse 2, "...in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air." The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's what you and I were apart from what Jesus did. I am the life. The declaration need not to be restricted to the immediate occasion. Christ imparts to men power to use the knowledge of the Father he gives them. And he gives them desire, will, pow- and power to live with God and through him. This is life that the believer was destined to know. In every man, woman, there's a thirst for life. Everything that clogs, impedes, or retards life. We hate sickness, imprisonment, death, whatever diminishes, limits, or destroys life. But there's abundant, real, great vitality in the life through Christ. Let's go to the last point here. Now I want to go back to our passage again. I know we haven't read it a bunch this time, but we've, we're going to walk through that main, that main verse there. Let's go back to this just a moment. So, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is what Jesus has just said. Then he makes, really, at least for that period, an astounding statement. He says, no man, woman, woman, no one in mankind comes to the father but by me number 4 jesus here makes a radical claim of deity and we is a demand and acceptance and worship in him, in him as lord and savior those men around the table may not have quite have gotten that yet out of thomas's discussion of Tom, thomas's question but he just told them hey me and jehovah are one and me and the spirit that will soon be in your, uh, given to you through resurrection and me going back to heaven are one. He's telling them, I'm God. Jesus' answer to Thomas' question was according, according to uh, James Montgomery uh, Boyce. Put that up for me, real quick. Boyce, yeah. Probably the most exclusive statement ever made by anyone. By anyone. Christians are sometimes dismayed by the world's opposition to the gospel. For this reason, many Christians emphasize having a non-offensive attitude toward unbelievers and seek to use expressions that avoid giving offense our message or biblical, or even expressing biblical standards of behavior. It is proper, proper for believers to show such care in their dealings with non-Christians. It's proper that we should treat the lost in a loving way. But the greatest thing I can do for a lost person is tell them the truth. We will soon find out that the gospel's real offense is one that cannot be easily avoided. Christianity's true offense is none other than Christ himself. Christ is offensive, right? Christ comes to us and says, the way you're living is going to condemn you to hell. You're born in it. Christ is offensive. Therefore, we are offensive. And so we can try and work hard not to be. But we are. That doesn't mean you treat people wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But we can go so far to water everything down and well being so open to everything that we're for nothing. Christianity's true offense is none other than Christ himself. That is especially true when we consider Jesus' exclusive claims. I've got one other quote for you. We're almost finished. This is by an unbeliever, and I didn't put it up here for that reason, okay? Because I'm not going to we're not necessarily going to lift this up, but he's right. At this time of writing, he was an unbeliever. I can't tell you that He died and went to hell necessarily, but at this moment, he was an unbeliever. This is what he says about Christianity. Christianity is a contentious faith which requires an all-or-nothing commitment to Jesus as the one and only incarnation of the Son of God. I mean, for him to be a lost man, there's a lot of truth in that. It's a contentious faith. Again, we don't have to try not to be offensive if you're a believer, we are. We just are. So now what? Well, little wonder that this Jesus aroused such opposition and hatred from the world. If We've accepted him and we worship him as the Lord and Savior that he is. We're going to face opposition as well. I am the way, said one who would shortly hang on the cross. I am the truth. When the lies of evil people were about to enjoy a spectacular triumph, think about that, when they saw him hanging there as a piece of flesh, they thought, we won. Satan, who knew the scripture, thought, we won. I am the life. Within, when within a matter of hours, his corpse would lay and placed in a tomb. How could Jesus speak so boldly when he knew what was about to happen? Because he knew in three short days, in three short days, he'd bust run out of that grave. He would defeat death, Hell and intercede on our behalf and is still interceding and will provide eternal life for every one of us. That's better than any game, my friends. That's better than any outcome of things we have no control over. Frankly, that's just better than anything. I haven't been given a deal any better than that. Let's bow our head and close our eyes just a moment. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. We are going to observe the Lord's Supper. And Mike's going to be walking us through that in just a moment. But I do want to have a moment of prayer. Really, this this particular passage, this conversation speaks well to what we're about to do um, as we observe the elements. You know, you say, so now what? what? What do we do next? Well, hopefully we're encouraged to live in this light. To be to be offensive for the truth lovingly. And to walk out empowered, excited about what God's called us to do. Whatever wherever we are and what community, part of the community we're working in. I don't know what you're struggling with today. This time of year can be very difficult for people. One should be excited and thinking about Christ's birth and what that would mean. But there are many that struggle this time of year. Let's say, let's go to God and ask Him to continue to empower us to live a life that would change the communities we live in. Let's pray. Father, Lord. We're thankful to you know that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life. And the life that gives us the change it makes in us, the light that it provides for us. God, I pray we'll leave encouraged today. Lord, if disciples can have these questions, I can promise you we have them as well. We haven't seen you, but yet we believe. These men lived with you and soon so will we so Lord I pray as we move into the next phase of this service as we celebrate the brokenness of your body the spilling of your blood Lord we won't leave here with sin in our life Lord we'll get forgiveness today we'll take steps of obedience today that you call us to and we'll give all the praise and glory to you for you are worthy And you empower everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.